नमस्ते सो सम पीपल आस्ट मी अबाउट बिकॉज लास्ट टाइम वी हैड ए टॉक ऑन रिलीजन एंड हाउ रिलीजन स्टार्ट्स इन ए नाइस वे बट ओवर ए पीरियड ऑफ टाइम इट हैज ए टेंडेंसी टू क्रिस्टलाइज एंड वॉट वॉज मेंट टू लिबरेट द ह्यूमन सोल फ्रॉम ऑल शैकल्स becomes itself a bondage and a shackle on the expanding soul of man this is one of the beautifully conjured in this phrase dharmasya glani that law which was given at one point of time becomes an obstacle to man's expansion so uh, once again the divine in some form or the other comes and liberates us from that and gives a new law uh, shobindo refers to it he says how when uh, Moses gave the law of righteousness righteous moral law uh, which sounds very logical you you hurt my eye and i'll take your eye so eye for an eye tooth for a tooth not that you are the aggressor but you take care when they so this is moses law not moses has written many things beautiful thing but this one part then uh, christ comes and uh, he gives the law of compassion and charity forgive them but forgiveness becomes a laxity over a period of time so we see force of god comes and starts conquering from arabia all the way <laughs> so the law of love and forgiveness is replaced by the force of god but naturally that too turns into a complete uh, political uh, it, it does so much harm to the world then shurbindo writes in that aphorism that the world awaits for that avatar who will embody love and force together which of course we know uh, shobindo is a perfect gentleman and <laughs> the mother is the the perfect union of force and love so there are some interesting i mean all religions if they have to they have to evolve towards the spiritual light and there are two possible ways one is that uh, the shackles are completely broken and the soul picks up its aspiration and goes that's the more direct way in today's times the other is within the boundaries of your religion you discover the spiritual element pick it up and take it further so in every religion we will see some of these spiritual elements and uh, except in india because in sanatan dharma there is an acceptance of the evolutionary urge and every time we see that where there is a tendency for uh, a spiritual truth to be crystallized in into outer rituals uh, mechanical rituals there is a saint seer even a new movement which once back once again restores the pristine purity so we see that happening in sanatan dharma but religions which were born outside india particularly we see in islam and judaism and christianity these three religions because this evolutionary impulsion is not taken into account there is a tendency for the spiritual nucleus to be lost or buried under a heap of outer rituals ceremonies which um, uh, people completely lose contact with the spirit because they are lost in that outer uh, ceremony without understanding the inner significance so some of the stories of uh, bible uh, from the old testament some of the things are taken into the metaphysics of bible for instance the story of adam and eve the original fall so this original fall is that there is a state of humanity when it is lives uh, in a state of primal innocence 
You see, very simple humanity, which is very early. Mother describes this state. She says, there was an early humanity. You know, you see the story of Tarzan. You will identify with it. Early humanity, where there is not the sense of right and wrong. But it lives by a kind of innate instinct. And it's beautiful. It doesn't carry that burden of sin, guilt, all this. It doesn't carry. But then in that story, there is a serpent who comes and whispers something. And that serpent is iridescent. You know, it's glowing head. Like we have that money, money on the head of serpent. And he, she plucks the uh, fruit and gives it to Adam. And then they are driven away from that beautiful state. So this story which uh, sounds very strange, uh, again it's, it's a, uh, a legend, a way of expressing some truths. So the truth is that man's fall from that primal state of innocence was when he wanted to know. It's everywhere. If you see the very early Vedic mystics, they had such direct experiences with God. And you wonder what happened. Why can't we have it now? Because you see the mental curve entered. Already in Upanishads you see the mental curve. There is a need to explain things to the mind. And now we are full blown. So it's a fall. Mother says if you consider it from that point of view, it's truly a fall. Because that direct contact with the divine within, the sense of divinity that breathes in all things. That's why they could worship the tree. They could see these as living realities. That was lost But what was this serpent? This is the serpent of evolution. Serpent, mother says, is the serpent of evolution. That's why Shiva has it around his neck. Not all serpents are bad. Yes, there are some snakes which are symbol of hostile forces. But some of these serpents, especially certain cobras, certain colors, iridescent serpent, they are evolutionary serpents. They take you through a passage and then you evolve. So she says it is a fall from that point of view, yet this fall was necessary because before that the divinity is unconscious. You don't know that you are acting with the spontaneity of a divine impulsion. But now there is a narrow passage of the mind where right, wrong, good, bad, evil, sin, all this guilt and all its things comes in. So that man will pass through that narrow gorge and recover the conscious divinity. He will become consciously divine. And she says it's a painful passage. But nevertheless, the end will be far more complex, far more complete and far more beautiful than that early stage. So that's why Shubhinda says God drives you out of every heaven. So that crossing a desert of morass, dullness, you know, people who go through phases when life seems dull, meaningless... But you arrive at a greater paradise. So that, uh, you know, is the paradise upon earth that man has to create. So this is the story of Adam and Eve and the fall. And we know that again the story of Pralaya is there in Noah's ark. Where uh, that story is very similar. The great flood uh, when everything is destroyed and yet certain things are saved. And then creation begins again. Now here I want to touch upon one point which has become a subject of debate in particularly US, where people speak about evolution versus creationism. So creationism is that everything was created in six days time and seventh day God took a back seat and rested. Uh, now that doesn't make sense to the evolutionary biologists because the evolutionary biologists say that's not true. Facts are different. 
but to an indian mind which is deep into spiritual thought it is very evident when it is said that he created all things in 6 days it is like in a certain prototype like man man is a prototype from a very high world and he descends and takes the body of the animal becomes vanara he is pointing toward the nar and then the evolution takes place and he becomes the full blown man as we see in uh, you know some of the fables and stories so there is he in a certain prototype sense created all the grades and steps so that is creationism he did in his deeper vision but the manifestation upon earth will be through succession of time which is evolution they don't contradict each other actually one fulfills or explains the outer story that's how shurbindo uh, fulfills that gap in our understanding why evolution takes place okay we understand there are challenges why should it specify evolve why doesn't it completely collapse under the challenge but actually there is evolution it doesn't just go back to the same stage it develops something else something extra which is sometimes so fantastic you know the crawling uh, reptile begins to fly it's just unimaginable so obviously there is the inner side of the story of evolution which we see narrated then the story of christ's birth and it's again very interesting that he is born of a virgin birth so we see also in buddha's story you know he is born like that now virgin birth literally means that when material nature the in savitri there is a line uh heavens joys could be earths if earth were pure so virgin birth is a birth where where there is someone who has embodied the material nature and yet is so pure that the divine consciousness can emerge out of it this is the symbol of the virgin birth it doesn't mean that there was a you know no physical process involved that's not important actually we give too much importance to physicality here it's about the inner state so she is so pure there is not a trace of anything which would be you know fallen low obscure and if human consciousness earth consciousness can be so pure divinity can emerge out of it then after christ birth incidentally as we know 25th december is not the day of christ birth we i mean this is well known of course to the church also uh, it's the day when which was celebrated in the jewish tradition as the day of the return of the light so we know that winter solstice and then the summer solstice starts so from 22nd 23rd december roughly light begins to increase so they fixed a day okay 25th december return of the light so it began to be celebrated celebrated in the northern area that's where you will see the fir trees have you ever seen why we have fir trees <laughs> christmas trees fir trees because that's where the festival of light started because in the northern solstice it is a marvel um i was finding details about going to antarctica one of my um, bucket list so so they were telling me how it happens after four months of complete darkness when there are four seconds of sunlight or four minutes of sunlight it is celebrated like that those four minutes are like divinity is shown you see some of these uh, things even in vedic rishis um uh, you know migrating not invasion once again there is a difference between the two uh, all humanity was migrating that time so you see about long periods of darkness they used it as a symbol to communicate an inner truth of long periods of darkness after which there is light so they used to celebrate that's why the fir trees are there you have the uh, you know uh, reindeer where do you find reindeer <laughs> and uh, not in jerusalem certainly 
so it's <laughs> so it was a festival which was celebrated on the north northern side of the north pole where you know father christmas is supposed to come uh, santa claus and he comes with material gifts he is the giver of material gifts so what ha- used to happen with the coming of light you see nature there is a thawing and this you know once again you will have uh, during that period it's very difficult to survive even you don't have food whatever you have stored or you uh poor those creatures uh, home you can find and you can pick up so again there is a possibility of things coming up springing up so that's how it came to be celebrated and uh, santa claus who brings material gifts that's why even in mother's prayer you will see who gives us material gifts so he brings lot of material gifts now he is a f- entity uh, because when human consciousness uh, that time the pagans as they were called they, they saw in everything that there are forces and beings just like in india so they saw that there is a force and being who starts you know quickening the earth so they prayed and it responded and obviously he is in caps and all this which you can't uh, find in the middle east why should people wear uh, such things so you know now we are following see how we are just following a tradition and a ritual and forgetting its real significance it is about the return of light and mother that's why she would she has explained all this and this is was the beginning that well she explained that there was the return of light she was actually reminding that it should be celebrated as the advent of new light to those who want to celebrate it it's not something which is uh, you know because men like festivals so there are festivals but uh, understand the real meaning it is the return of the light so here she she gives messages like the new light very nicely and beautifully she is reminding us it's about the new light so that's how christmas started but then there is a very interesting story of three magis who are coming from the east so uh, as per lot of whatever studies have been done on this and uh, i am not going into details it seems that they were men who came all the way from kashmir they were three mystics who brought the message of uh, the east and they followed the star they were guided inwardly star is always pointer guidance and they realized that there is the savior born so he is of course a redeemer without a doubt he is a divine being for that age in that land he humanized people so they came and declared that he is the messiah which was foreseen and prophesied by john and others so when there is a very interesting story you see in savitri mother of the seven sorrows So who is this mother of the seven sorrows Madonna of suffering mother of grief divine the mother of the seven sorrows bore so then there is a um, uh, he is born and he is taken to the jewish church for uh, not church but the jewish temple for uh, baptization that's that's he was born in the jewish context and actually he reformed jewism judaism if you look at it very clearly he was born in a certain context and he reformed it uh, which was beautiful thing to do so he goes there and as the priest holds um, uh, the child baby jesus he had a prophecy he was looking around and finding this world is getting so horrible and you know he had a visitation that that you will not die before seeing the savior so he holds him and then he realizes oh here is the savior so when he the moment he sees he utters few things and so uh, jesus parents are pretty surprised that you know uh, what did he say so then he prophesies and in the prophecy he says that he will have to go through 
the cross and that cross will stab even your heart because naturally what a mother would have felt so the seven sorrows of mother of seven sorrows is mary the mother of um, christ who is none else but the divine mother in one of her early forms she bears the sorrow of the divine birth upon earth and how he is treated or mistreated how his message is received he has to go away abandon far away then come back then he has to walk the path and at every station there is a suffering torture and eventually he goes to the cross so it seems that the magis had come and apparently taken him all the way and for 18 good 18 years christ was away where he learned the secrets of buddhism and bhakti of krishna and these two he comes back and if you see christianity it's a beautiful amalgam of compassion which christ teaches which um, buddha teaches and he talks about brotherhood love love for god to approach through the heart it's a beautiful if you look at it it's a beautiful psychic touch which comes from the confluence of buddhism and uh, krishna's tradition which was in the in the kashmir area and that's why some of the images are also carried so christ is often referred to as the good shepherd and you know gopal <laughs> Only this is not the cow because you find cows uniquely here, so there it's sheep because wool and all this. So good shepherd, but meaning is the same. That you know there are uh, I mean not exactly same, but there are souls which are marked out by the divine. He has come for certain souls which are lost. So just like Krishna calls the cows that have gone to graze and uh, don't know where they are by his flute, he calls them. So Christ calls these. Uh, sheep which are far away so again we see the legend comes straight from in some of the early depictions of christ you actually see him and if you see him you will feel it's it's a replication of something like krishna so many of these images came but then uh, he grows up and as we know what happened Cro- cross so cross is the symbol cross shurabinda reveal it's a twofold symbol so one is it's the symbol of the perfect union of soul and nature as it should be but because the world is not ready there is a transverse bar which means it is not allowed just like we have sita and rama separating uh, toward the end of the story so again material nature and spirit must unite in different uh, in in hinduism there are several symbols like that uh, one is the, those shivlingams that we pray the perfect union of material nature and the divine consciousness so here also the union is there effort is there in the higher worlds but there is a bar humanity is not ready therefore they it turns into the suffering purifying suffering so unless nature goes through a purificatory suffering it cannot reclaim that uh, union of the perfect union of soul and earth nature that is the purifying um, fire through which sita must walk so all these are in different areas we have different symbols cross is also the symbol that ego must be crucified for the soul to emerge and be triumphant so that we see very interesting that after crucifixion of christ there is a very interesting story so uh, mother mary is there she has to bear all these sorrows and he is taken from the cross and apparently given a burial uh, he is put into the grave i have read this uh, beautiful book 
Jesus lived in India and there are other documents also plenty of it at one time out of interest and curiosity had studied all these things then after three days they opened and they found he is not there so they use the word resurrection so it is said as that Christ uh, you know was resurrected and he 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 died but he came back to life but then its real sense is to crucify the ego so that the spirit can triumph victoriously so it's about the new birth that you use the word in yoga ego has to be crucified several places shubhendu says uh, that this sadhak knows that the ego must be crucified so that the soul must be triumph so even it is willing to go through the ordeals of the flesh for the spirit to be victorious so that's how the symbol of the cross is but look at the mystic sense he is put inside the grave and then he is he is resurrected and then see the promise i will raise the dead from their graves so it's not like people you put in the grave and one day they'll be all <laughs> raised up and <laughs> that's how it is understood but who are the dead those who are the living dead ignorance is a death and in that ignorance he descends literally into that pit of ignorance and because he has discovered once again the soul's immortality there therefore he has the power to tear away the veil of ignorance and then the story of redemption from the original sin mother explains very beautifully she speaks about the last judgment so we have the last judgment suddenly one day everybody will be raised those who have faith they will go through so the story is essentially the last judgment is basically the last judgment it's not about christians or muslims or hindus it is the final day of reckoning when earth completes a cycle so what happens to souls which have gone through the complex evolutionary process she says those who have faith in the divine um, sacrifice in matter they may know nothing they just know that the divine sacrificed in matter they have that psychic sense love and they are redeemed meaning thereby they are taken up into the new life and the rest collapses so that's what is the inner sense of the last judgment and not like somebody counting on your uh, good deeds and bad deeds and or your surname and segregating in this side and that side of the story um, then the second coming of course we know second coming of christ has been promised buddha has been has promised as maitreya mitab that he'll come again krishna has promised and uh, shubhendra and the mother very beautifully say that if he came nobody will recognize because <laughs> he is not going to teach hebrew krishna is not going to speak in sanskrit uh, all the shlokas once again and say you didn't follow my gita he is going to upgrade he is going to take us to yet another level because there was something amiss that's why the road got blocked so he not only clears the path yada yada hi dharmasya glani bhavati bharatya abhutanam dharmasya tadatmansh jamayam so he takes the dharma the law of truth the law of being through which man must walk one more step further so all these are beautiful symbols the scripture uh, which has to be revealed in the heart the kingdom of heaven to be created upon earth through the process of purification so the the father son and the holy spirit or the holy ghost so that's clearly the triple mystic cross the transcendent the universal and the individual soul so this was known in early mystic tradition and 
just like you had master and disciples, so uh, like in Vedic age, the secrets were not revealed to everybody. So those who were the apostles, they understood it. And you, uh, let me give a surprise. Who was the one who was the closest to Christ and who understood him the most? Now this has been completely suppressed officially by the church. Why? Because she was a woman. Mary Magdalene. She is not same as Mother Mary. But she is the one who is regarded in many scriptures as the closest disciple of Christ who understood him most, who was the witness to all his suffering, including the crucifixion, the resurrection. And that time people used to believe that she is his partner, beloved, all these things they used to believe. But later on, after this, Saul of Tarsus, Tarsus or Tarsius, he got converted. He was persecuting the Christians. But he got converted, but he carried the same mindset. So with the same evangelistic fervor, he started converting people. So how do you convert people and create a whole group? Almost like the way Ashoka spread Buddhism. See, Ashoka spread Buddhism. But then... Buddhism was no more Buddhism post that period. I mean, he is great, but he, because he he was a man with you know royalty and strength and power, so whatever he did was with that. Uh, <laughs> that's not how Buddhism spreads. So this is how he also, you know, the he started spreading. But in trying to spread, the official religion started coming into being. So there were the head priests who will interpret. And everybody has to keep the flock together. And slowly and slowly the truths of Christ were lost. So much so that those who were trying to live that truth began to be persecuted. So they were the Gnostics who carried the Vedantic side of the teaching. And they were the alchemists who took up the tantric elements of Christ. Because you know he had come to India and he, he knew the yoga. He was a yogi without a doubt. And when... They started speaking of occult powers and hearing voices of God. No, only the official head priest has the right to hear. You cannot, nobody else can. So that's why uh, now in today's Christianity, who will canonize whether somebody is a saint or not? It is the Pope who has the right. He himself may not be a saint, but he will decide <laughs> who is truly a saint. So we have the famous story of Joan of Arc. Why was she convicted? Because she claimed to have heard voices of God. And see him. So you are not supposed to see him. You are not supposed to hear the voice of God. So why? Because God is only in one. And that is exclusively Jesus Christ. This was not meant in the origin. He came to show a way so that every human soul can ascend toward the Godhead. But later on the official religion became that only he. So there was a separation between God who was up there and human soul that had to just submit not as a way towards the ascension, but summit and forever. So duality came in. So nobody else had the right to claim that one has become one with God or can experience something of that divine truth. Anybody who claimed it became heretic. And the same fate followed in Islam, where there is, I'll close with this story. I'm forgetting, was it Malana Rum or one of them? who in his deep mystic state, Sufism, now many of these people could experience, you know, the divine inside because there is a mystic element anywhere. You go at the origin, some mysticism is there. And uh, he would feel that he is God. And he would say, 
I am God and his disciples were all shocked. How can you say that? There is only one prophet. No one else can be. So when he would come out, they would say, but sir, you were saying like this. He said, it's blasphemy. His outer consciousness could not believe or accept. So ultimately at one point he said that, well, next time I say this, behead me. And the rest followed. So in India, from the beginning, yoga always believed that through yoga you can become one with the divine. So this problem of heretics and all this was never there. We never faced that kind of situation. Because we believed, yes, the master shows the disciple the way and the disciple is meant to ascend to that status where he becomes one with the divine and becomes the divine himself. So these are some of just stories related to Christ. There are many more, but I think we can close here. Let each religion discover their mystic truths and practice true spirituality. And not be lost in all these traditions because uh, either the spirit of time is going to break it and wash it away. Or else it will become deformed and become an instrument for perverse forces to occupy the throne that was once meant to be God's throne. This is what we see happening to many traditional religions. And that's why the mother said the age of religions is over. She didn't say that God is dead. Rather, he has come closer to us. The age of religion is over and the age of spirituality has begun. So he whom we had shut in temple, mosques, gurudwaras, churches and God knows where else. Now he says, I reclaim the original temple which I built for myself and that is the human heart and the human soul. Namaste.